and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Man and Their Dogs. It is day 285 here in the Zen Room, episode 57. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the eponymous Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you tonight, Tommy? I'm so glad I have the opportunity to mock you and laugh at you. Last week, it was um, the birthdays. Mm-hmm. Glynis John. Yes. And you said that she was in Stephen Sondheim's Send in the Clown. Yes, I know. I heard the podcast afterwards. I meant to say she was in a little night music. Yeah, but you didn't. I know. And you, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't have corrected that without editing and putting voice recording over that. I was like, no, just leave it in. People okay. will get it. All right. <laughs> but yes, I meant to say a little night music. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to call you out on that. Oh, was that so important? It, wa- it Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Okay. Because it calls everything into question. Ah, okay. Did you ever see that movie? What movie? A Little Night Music. The movie, oh, with Diana Rigg and Liz Taylor? No, I've never seen it. I've seen clips of it, and that's about it. I haven't heard very good things about it, though. No, no. Which is a shame, because I like Diana Rigg. Yeah, I, I like that score. Yeah, I love the score. It's a beautiful score, I think. It's not my favorite of his, but I, I, I like that. was the, the... No, the whole score is written in three, four times, you was know. The, that was the test he gave himself. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I think it's a good show. I mean, I saw it with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and... I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, how was your weekend? Anything new or exciting? No, the weekend was fun. You know, you were there for some of it. My whole weekend was, uh, we we did a really silly, stupid show down at the theater, and it was a big hit. Yes, it was. And it was very fun, and so that was fun. It was a fun weekend. Yes. For those who don't know what we're talking about, we saw a staged reading of Valley of the Dolls, directed by Long Island's very own Scott Hofer, and filled with a cast of nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it was was very, very funny show. Really was completely ridiculous. Completely, there was no idea. Too ridiculous. No accent. No wig. No prop. Right thing that was considered too ridiculous. And they're all expert, and it was funny as fuck. Yes, it It was. was Very glad. I I, this is like the third stage reading now that I've seen that Scott's directed. Previous ones were um, Mommy Dearest Dearest. and Whatever (laughs) Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, and they they just they just keep getting funnier. They really do. But yeah, so we saw that, and of course, been busy with rehearsals. That's your week now. Yeah, is rehearsals, which yeah. I don't mind. I love going to rehearsals. Yeah, except when they suck. So sometimes rehearsals suck. Yes, they can, but so far that hasn't been an issue yet. Okay. Well, I hope it's not that case. And then a funny thing happened to me today. Okay. Which I couldn't help but laugh about. What happened today that you couldn't help but laugh about? I was out walking Abigail. As one does with a dog. Exactly. And we're not even less than, we're like on the block that I live on. We're on okay. the opposite corner at the other end of the street. And she's busy sniffing something. And I, then I see this car on one of the cross streets coming over and turning the corner. And as he's turning the corner, the, the teenager in the passenger seat yells out something along the lines of, Nice hat, old man, you old prick. Blah, blah, blah. Saying this whole spiel. You were a victim of ageism. I guess so. But I couldn't help but just laugh at the kid. I was just like, this is the funniest thing I've heard. <laughs> Just came out of the blue for no apparent reason that I can see well, that this teenage kid starts cursing me out. <laughs> you didn't yell out the window, people? No, I never did that. Oh my god! No, never did that at all. I I, I just thought it was very very funny. 
<laughs> well, when they first had, the, you, you were like 16 when the Model A came out, right? Oh, yeah, fuck you too. So, there weren't a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, those goddamn kids. Goddamn kids. Yeah. I, just thought, I just thought it was very funny. I was like, oh, kid, you have so much to look forward to yet. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to the day when you're walking down the street what and some teenager yells at you for no apparent reason. <laughs> what, what hat were you wearing? I was just wearing my usual uh, baseball cap. The, the life is good. Uh, it says life is good on the cross of, uh, across the top of it. Okay, it's a brand name. Life is good. I think. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So that was it. Mm. Yeah, that was my amusing anecdote for the day. You got harassed. Yes, on I did. The public road for being old. Yes, for being old. Right. I guess I'll have to get used to that. <laughs> you got used to it being because you were gay. You might as well get used to it being right. Yeah. This will so. be. This will be a breeze. Yeah, this is <laughs> But anyway, we now move into our first segment. What do you think is going to happen? Who, Trump? Yeah. yeah. You think so? Eventually, yeah. yeah but anyway, we are on to our first segment, which of course is heavy petting. That was the gross thing, yeah. <laughs> yes, the gross thing you don't like. And as far as news stories go, there wasn't much except about people being attacked by dogs okay. and mauled by dogs. So I figure I'd, I'd ask, have you ever been attacked by a dog or dogs? I was. Really? Not attacked. I was bitten as I ran away. Okay. Once. Okay. You know, that your your own dog bites you. Yes. But I mean like attacked no, no, by no, some no, 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 no. strange dog that you just... A horrible, scream. big, black, ferocious dog. <laughs> six of them leaping at me? No, no. Okay, no, nothing, nothing like that at all. No. Yeah, neither have I. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of these... horrifying. Are... What? A horrifying. That must be terrible. Like, a police dog must be terrible. I mean, the closest I ever came to it, I wouldn't even call it close, was the one a few years ago walking Abigail. And as we're walking by this one house, I see that this big German shepherd is on the front lawn, unleashed, no one there watching him, and he starts heading towards us. And starts, like, galloping towards us. So I get to the point where I put Abigail behind me, and I'm standing in front of her, like, in a fighting position. And thank God the dog saw me, and stop. That happened. And then the owner, thank God, eventually came out and called the dog back. That was probably the closest I've ever been to yeah, that, a hostile that dog encounter. Exact thing has happened. And that's my gripe about people not leashing their dogs at home. Just that's because too scary. Your dog may be trained, but it's still a dog, and it's still going to act on its instincts. And if it feels like going up to another dog or going after something, it's going to whether or not you've trained the dog or not. Well, there's certain levels of training. Let's be real. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen great owners. I mean, the dog sits like you. So the person will say, "Sit, sit." No, I'm talking about like military trained. That's dogs what I'm talking and, about. And like yeah, those, those kind of dogs, they don't do anything without you telling. Exactly. Them. But I'm talking about other people, like regular neighbors, the casual with their dog dogs. Owner. Oh, my dog's trained. He, he wouldn't uh, do that bullshit. Tell me that after after my dog got bit by a neighbor's dog. You know. Right. 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 But, yeah, so that's really about it, about dog attacks, really. Just, they seem to be happening quite frequently in the news. I think things like that are secular. Like, they, they report on something, and then it goes, they report on something else. And I know, right? On, and then there's, you know, there's always going to be some horrible animal attack somewhere at some time. Yeah, I guess so. One or the other, but, you know... When they fight back, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we'll now move on to our Dictionary of Dogs. Oh, it's got a title. <laughs> yes, it the does. Diction, which means it's never gonna end. <laughs> 
what we're at least going to have. This is the letter F, so we got a few more episodes left of this. So today's dog is the Field Spaniel. Oh, Michael, so this is always going to be the most obscure letter dog you can find. It's the first one I saw on the list for the letter F. Oh, so it's going to be alphabetical. Yes. Which means that you can repeat the cycle. Yes, and use a different letter F then. Ad, ad nauseum exactly. until I finally die. Yes. But here's a picture of the Field Spaniel. Uh, could you? Okay, it's a Spaniel. Yeah, that's a Spaniel. Yep. Well, these are very, very rare Spaniels. Okay. They, well, are, they, are, so they were originally bred in England in the late 19th, early 20th century. They were bred to be all black show dogs originally. They were never to be bred for, you know, hunting or anything like that. Okay. Just to be show dogs. So but, ev go ahead, go ahead. but eventually they fell out of, they fell out of popularity and favor for a while. They're pretty. So there's really not many of them around in, uh, According to the latest statistics that I read, in the United Kingdom, where they're bred, there were only 51 of these dogs registered. Oh. So that's how extremely rare this breed is now. I don't know how many are bred here in the United States. I couldn't find it's any stats spaniel. on that. It looks exactly like every other Spaniel. It looks exactly like my Spaniel, who's mixed with Oodle. Yeah. It's the big leathery ears and the stupid expression. Well, well it's, it's actually... That it's, little gold one there has a like a big, big-ass Spaniel smile yeah, on it. Yeah, right? I mean, it's slightly smaller than a Cocker Spaniel. Spaniel and yeah. slightly bigger than a Springer Spaniel. Okay, yeah. So it can be anywhere from 16 to 19 inches tall and weigh between 35 and 60 pounds. Their colors are black, liver, or roan. And it has a long single coat with no undercoat and its median age is about 12 years. The most common cause of death for them is cancer, followed by old age. Well, this is the dog you can't find nowhere, right? This is the dog. You, you, you can find them in the United States, but they're extremely tough to find. I mean, okay. They're specially bred, you know, but there's very few breeders. Now, I was reading up on this, and they were tracing like, the lineage of these dogs, and this one was brought up, was bred from this line, and this was brought up from this line. I was like, they have this whole. Well, those like, people so are serious. Rigid. That's how serious it that's is. That's your AKC? No, that's not this breed. That's well, no, it's all dogs. All, like dogs. all dog breeders, you know? But I was really I was amazed at how they were tracing the lineage of all uh, these dogs. Fascinating. And also, they are prone, they can be prone to eye problems, including cataracts. That's a spaniel thing, too, I believe. Yep. But they're considered good, loyal dogs and great companions for families. It's, I would have to say that that's true. Yes, I would say that too. We now move on to our next segment. You people with happy nice birthday. dogs don't know how Many happy dying. returns. <laughs> A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's happy birthday. Let's see if we can get me talking over every intro. I know. That's the right we're going. That's <laughs> so what we're far, doing. But we're only two in and you got to have, what, 14, 15? Uh, yeah, at least. All right. But today's birthday, I'm not sure if you're going to know this person's name. He was born in October 12th, 1875 in England, to a wealthy family of Christian fundamentalists who I made their money it. operating a brewery. Oh, okay, hold on, I spoke too soon. At age 11, his father died, and he inherited a third of his wealth. Okay. As a youth, he developed interest in chess, poetry, and mountaineering, and he became quite an experienced mountaineer, traversing several of the Alps. Oh, you said that like I should raise my voice up, so, oh. oh. No, the Alps are big mountains. Yes, they are. And he was quite. I was. I was surprised when I found out who this was. That he was such a proficient mountaineer. Proficient mountaineer. Yes. But anyway, at age Is twenty. That a PM on your card, like after your name, Patrick Figgis. PM. At age twenty, he changed his first name from Edward to Alistair. And Alistair he, Cook. No. Nope. Alistair Blair. No. Alistair. Okay. Uh, there's another one. He then began attending Cambridge University. 
University, where he studied philosophy and English lit. He had his first mystical experience in December 1896 oh. while on holiday in Stockholm, although several biographers believe this was when he also had his first same-sex sexual experience, leading him to realize that he was bisexual. Okay, stop for a second. Okay. Because there's a lot there. Okay. First of all, yes. who has a spiritual awakening in Scandinavia? That's the first thing. <laughs> What's the gefilte? The, the, the fish is so good. Um, and yeah, he had a religious experience because he slept with a man for the first time and uh, yeah, he, real, he realized whatever it was, whatever it was, he came to a sexual awakening. Yeah, so I can understand, like, it's just weird to me that the thing about the spiritual awakening in Sweden is killing me. I gotta tell you, it's it's in the front of my head. I, I just... I just can't stop seeing variants of it. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll continue his Please, story. because... He dropped out of Cambridge in 1898 to pursue his interest in the occult, and he joined an esoteric order called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, where he was trained in ceremonial magic. Oh. In 1904, he married Rose Edith Kelly, and they honeymooned in Cairo, Egypt, where he claimed to have been contacted by a supernatural entity named Iwas, who provided him with the Book of the Law. Hold on a second. Could yes. you spell Iwas for me, please? Yes, it's A-I-W-A-S-S. Iwas. I-A-W-A-S. I-A-W-A-S-S. That's A-I-W-A-S-S. A-S-S. And I... Iwas. And then S. A-I-W and then S. S. All right, give me a minute. <laughs> A-I-W... What does A-I-W mean? Well, I don't know, but this is the name of the I'm going to come up with something. Let's go. Oh, okay. It may take me a while. Well, anyway, he gave him this book called the Book of the Law, and this became the basis for the religion that this person founded that he called Thelema. The book announced the start... I hate this guy. Uh, the book announced that the 20th century was the start of the Aeon of Horus, and the book declared that its followers should, quote, do what thou wilt, and seek to align themselves with their true will through the practice of magic. Hold on, because there's a lot of here for some reason. Well, yeah, I know what the reason is. Yeah, I hate him. I hate this whole... I hate him. Uh, okay, well, let me... Tell I, I hate him. Well, it, sex and r drugs eventually became part of the rituals. Oh, hold on, order. maybe I spoke a little too soon again. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he believed that sex was central to the practice of the religion. He also believed that it was central to focusing a magician's will onto a specific goal. Therefore, sex was treated as a sacrament. They, hold on. Did he have a shit ton of wives? I believe he was married uh, once or twice, maybe. But he didn't use sex as a way to get fucked by his followers? Well, he had relationships with people, but also sex was... But sex was part of the religious rituals. Okay, so he was Because it was part of their magic rituals. So when you follow... When you, when you were with other practitioners and you were engaging in magic, you were fucking. Yes. Okay. He also created... Anything weird with kids in the history? Oh, of no, but here's a weird thing for you. Okay. He created these things called cakes of light, which were a biscuit containing either menstrual blood oh, or God. a mixture of semen and vaginal fluids. No. <laughs> Hold on. No. In 1920, he founded a religious commune in Sicily called the Abbey of Thelema, where he lived with his various followers, but due to the libertine lifestyle, the Italian government evicted him in 1923. Now, when you say the Italian government evicted him... Yes, that was Benito Mussolini at the time. Okay. So would they come get him and send him to Switzerland? No, they basically said, get out, because of all the wanton sex and drug use that was going on, so they asked him to leave. Okay. So he left the country. 
Okay, sounds like fun all of a sudden. He was also a lifelong heroin addict, and he died in 1947 from chronic bronchitis and heart failure. His body was cremated, and his remains were given to his successor at the Ordo Templi Orientis, who buried the ashes in his garden in New Jersey. There's a cream for that. <laughs> Among his followers, briefly, was L. Ron Hubbard. He was a Thelemite during the 40s, and it's been argued that many of this person's ideas influenced Hubbard's development of Scientology. Do you not know the person's name yet? No, I'm waiting for you to finish. His name is Aleister Crowley. Okay. Have you ever heard of him? I have. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. What's that? If you ever <laughs> say to me again, Yes? How much of me you cut out because I blabber or because I tangent or whatever the fucking thing you said that I did, I do. Tangents. If you ever <laughs> accuse me that you spend so much time editing because I have to take all your rants out, I will, I will kick you till you're dead. <laughs> Did you have a problem with a little summary of Aleister Crowley? Okay, I don't have a problem with a little summary. <laughs> that was a little summary. That was more I can tell you, I can tell you more about him if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, you only got you got half a bottle of wine left. You're doing good. You're doing good. So anyway, to Aleister Crowley, the wickedest man in the world, we say fuck you. <laughs> It's a choice. Are you ready to move on to our next segment? <laughs> oh, this is going to be terrible. This is hard. This, this was a big deal. Yes, it was. Uh, actually, well, there were two deaths this week. I'll go with the minor one first. No, 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 no. Nobody gets room. Nobody gets. Nobody else gets room here. I'm sorry. No, yes, she does. I will go pee. The, you're, you go pee. Okay. Go ahead, tell me the story. It's uh, I'm talking about comedian Judy Tenuta. Yeah, no. No, no. I'm going Why? To What's your problem with Judy Tenuta? Do you have a problem with Judy Tenuta? She was a wonderful comedian. It appears that I'm now sitting here by myself while my partner is in the bathroom. God knows what he's doing in there. But I'll tell you a little bit about Judy Tenuta. She was born and raised in Illinois. She took classes with the Second City Improv Group and began her career as a comedian. For her first professional appearance, she appeared as the Virgin Mary. Eventually, she developed the persona of the accordion-playing love goddess, who opened her act with the greeting, Hi, pigs! She released six comedy albums between 1987 and 2008, for which she received two Grammy nominations. Nobody cares. She had a large queer following and was a big advocate for queer rights. I'm sorry. She performed at gay clubs up until her death, and she even offered on her website to officiate same-sex marriages. She died in California on October 6th at age 72 from ovarian cancer. Although she was officially single, she was in a long-term relationship with a man, but had no children. Okay. So yes, um, that's the story of Judy Tenuta. Eight days ago, I'd be waving the Judy Tenuta flag. Although I never really found her that funny. Oh, I liked her. I didn't. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. I can't believe on this day, on this day, on this day, this week, week, on this week. Yes, you after everything that happened yesterday. Go ahead. It deserved. A, she deserves her own segment. Uh, okay. Oh, well, so I guess I'm moving on to my next segment then, or should... no, no, no. Oh. Oh, do you want me to talk about the most recent death that occurred? If you don't, like I will. yesterday. And we're talking about Angela Lansbury. And I'll cite all sorts of facts. 
all kind of facts. Well, I'll tell you what I have. She was born in London, the daughter of an Irish actress and an English politician. They moved to the United States in 1940 to escape the Blitz during World War II. In 1944, she made her film debut. Could you go back for a second? Yes. What did her parents do? Her mother was an actress and her father was a politician. Hold on. Okay. 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 I'm thinking you either got to be really rich or well-connected to be able to move out of London when they did because of the Blitz. Yes. They had to be connected. Maybe somehow. I don't know. I don't know the details of their sojourn. Go ahead. In 1944, she made her film debut in the film Gaslight, from which we get the term Gaslighting, and for which she received her first Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination, then followed up that year in the film National Velvet with Elizabeth Taylor. That's right. 1945, she received her second Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress for the film The Picture of Dorian Gray. Hold on a second. Yes. How many movies is that? That was her third movie at that point. How many nominations for a war was that? And that's two nominations. And when did she get her first one? That, the first nomination was in 44. The second one was in 45. Her first one was for what number movie? That was for Gaslight. The first movie? Yes. However. Yes. First movie. Her first film. T- uh, Tony Award. Her Tony nomination. No. Oscar nomination. Oscar nomination. She got Oscar nomination. Then she did the other one. Then she did Dorian Gray. Yes. This is where I come in. Okay. And then she received her third Oscar nomination. Hold on. She got nominated for Dorian Gray? No, uh, she was nominated for Dorian Gray. She, she was, was really good in Dorian yes, Gray. Yes, she was. But she received her third no- nomination for her performance in the 1962 film The Manchurian Candidate. Yes. Which some consider her best film performance. You know what? It was and that'd be hard to disagree with that. She is great now. It's hard to disagree with that. Yeah. I've seen, I've been thinking about her and I'm thinking that this is the woman who, she played those two movies. Okay. okay. Dorian Gray and Manchurian Candidate. I would say that that, the, the, the range is un, is unreal. It's, yeah. It really well, is. Yeah, she, she has a great range. It she really is. Play pretty then much she anything, does, you know? she does on stage, she does Mame, which is theater legend. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Lovett. Yep. Which is theater legend. Yes, it is. Among many uh, other things, but the range that that woman had... Well, well, we're going to talk about that. I have more to say. She was nominated 18 times for Emmy Awards. Jesus Christ. Including 12 consecutive nominations for her role as Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote. You know, I never saw an episode. Never saw a single episode. Actually, neither did I. Not never interested in but what I read today, which interested me, she would hire yes. old film actors yes, yes, to appear yes. in the show, so this way they would earn enough credits to stay in the actors' union, yes, yes, yes. so that they still have their insurance and benefits or whatever. And I thought that was really fucking cool of her to I'll do tell that. You, I'll tell you, let me tell you really quick. Okay. So I follow this Facebook group, well, Crew Guys. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, these are film crew guys. These are, like, they're crew guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're working on the road. They're setting up bands. They're doing theater. They're with a whole bunch. Okay. When the crew guys, they're there all the time. They see everything, and and there's no reason for them to lie. Right. Everybody. Not, I have not heard a single nasty, horrible, oh, my God, she was such a bitch. Oh, yeah, but she, was, she used no. to be... Everyone said she's incredibly nice. Every single person. uh, Yeah, and the the point is that the crew guys, some of them now much older, and they they know, they saw what she did. They saw people telling stories about, oh, God, just 
Always. Yeah. So, she was always so sweet. Yep. So uh, humble and modest. Yes. Honestly so. Like, she wasn't putting on an act. Go ahead. I just love this bitch. She won five Tony Awards... Four for Best Actress in a Musical, 1996's Maine, 1969's Dear World, Dear World. which was a flop. Yeah, but yeah. She, she won, won anyway. award anyway. She won anyway. <laughs> and who wrote that score? I forget who wrote that now. It's I. It's in the back of my head and I can't think I think it's Candor and Ebb. Yes, I think you're right. Because I think it was like their next show after what I think what their last hit was before. Tell me what it was called. Dear World. I think that was... Oh, if it's 69, then it might have been... It could have been... Either, I would say either Candy Reneb or Jerry Herman again. I think maybe you're right. It is Jerry Herman. I think it's Jerry Herman. Yeah, I think it is Jerry Herman. Anyway, she also won for 1975's production of Gypsy. Anybody would be a fool not to write another show for her as she's playing Maine. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of you course. know he was like, we got good two years, I'm going to go write something else for her. Yeah. And then most yeah. famously, her Best Actress in a Musical Award for 1979's Sweeney Todd. Yeah. But she also won a Tony for Best Actress in a Play for the 2009 production of Blythe Spirit. And she was, this earlier this year, she was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Tony Award. In 2014, she was appointed Dane Commander of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth II herself. Ain't that some shit? She was married twice and had two children, and she passed away in her sleep. Now, so come on. 96 years old. You know, that is, if I could have that life, if any of us could have that life. Oh my God, right? What if, and, and then, and still, like, everything about her life was, she became a star, she got away from the war, she became a star, she became yep. a bigger star, she got nominated her first time, oh, let's try Broadway, and Jerry Herman's writing songs for me, and she has this career, she does this movie, The Manchurian Candidate, which I still don't know where the fuck that woman came from, because there's no <laughs> evidence of her anywhere Oh my god, no, career. she's such an evil bitch in that uh, Yeah, and, and then she does this television series, which evidently got old people to heaven faster than any, I mean, it was... Yeah. Yeah. If you were old, you watched it. And good for Angie, she working. Right. And then to die peacefully in your sleep with people around you who love you and are going to say nice things about you. At 96. Right. You yeah. had no money worries? Here is Ms. Lansbury singing from the production of Maine. Oh, God. Open a new window, open a new door, travel a new highway that's never been tried before, before you find you're a dull fellow, punching the same clock, walking the same tightrope as everyone on the block. She's fabulous! Before you want to be, is three-dimensional, soaking up life, down to your toes. I know, right? listen, I mean, listen to her. Whenever they say you're slightly unconventional, just put your thumb up to your nose and show up. Oh, girl. Oh, uh, right? And right of course, before the release, you stop it. You'll like that, aren't you? Yes. You're a little bit of a sadist. Yes, I am. Thank you. Must you. be. Uh, next time, I'm going to play another number of hers. Hold on. Oh, you gotta play the priest. You gotta play. You, uh, you better play priest. Uh, no, I'm not playing. <gasps> That's the life I can't it by the sea, Mr. Todd. Oh, I know you'd love it. You and me, Mr. T. We could be alone in the house, what we'd almost own down by the sea. And you say, Wouldn't that be smart? Right? You know, you're crazy. Off your slippers by the sea. Um, Wake up, bitch, she's flashing. 
her best, Sondheim's best. Yeah. Years. And you know what? She got two of those. She got because they're both iconic performances. Yeah. Mame at the top of the stairs in the gold pajamas, or no? Okay. And and Mrs. Lovett. It's just such a perfect representation. It, it and it, they're two different characters. They're two oh, completely, completely two different, different characters. Completely you know what was two interesting. Different characters. She said, "I read something somehow somewhere across my social media. Okay, about classes that they took with her and how generous she was with talking yeah. to them. And during one such event, she had said that she was never pretty and she couldn't make." So she couldn't make Maine pretty. So Maine became this glamorous thing. And she oversold yeah. that. Oh, she, she really landed the, the glamour. So she became this huge... And then everything else was for her. It just had to be the acting and the acting and the acting and the voice. She's just... God. She was an amazing I don't know why, like... Performer. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of people who could die and I would, like... But Angie, it's a big deal. Yeah. I think it's a big deal. A very big deal. You know? You knew it was coming. She was 96. Well, on, 96 she went to bed. Old. Right? Um, For fuck's sake. And the dame, Angela Lansbury, yeah. we say thank you. Yeah, girl. Thank you very, very much for yeah, everything girl. you brought to us. Don't get sappy now. I'm a... <laughs> I can't believe you didn't play priest. That was good, though. I thought so. Any Mrs. Lovett stuff in there. Of really course good. it is. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. That sound uh, must mean it's time for Today in History. And today, we'll cover the sad day of history first. Yeah, you better. Back in October 12th of 1998, Matthew Shepard, a gay student at the University of Wyoming, died five days after he was beaten outside of Laramie, Wyoming. And starting a uh, national conversation. I'm waiting. That's the story? Okay. No, that's not my cue. <laughs> that's your cue. Because you know what this means to me. You know? Yes, I, I mean, do. It was left tied to a fence yeah. overnight in Wyoming. It was hard. It was... And every year, I refuse to let it die. I hold on to it like a fucking uh, Rottweiler. I freely admit it. Uh, last... A uh, uh, couple of years ago, for the 20th anniversary of it, I, every day of the week between the 6th, which is when he was found, and the 12th, which is when he died, I posted what went on that day in his case, what hospital he was in when his parents arrived, when yeah. Russell and Aaron were arrested. I Yeah, it's no joke to me. This is no joke to me. This was a big fucking deal, and um, I refuse to let it go. And I encourage people, there are many resources uh, about Matthew Shepard, and you should investigate it. The Wikipedia page is great. There's two great movies. There's one not so great movie. Uh, there's a couple of good books. Um, Matthew Shepard. Go, go, go. Uh, make sure that that's... See the play. The Larry. The Larry. I mean, See that play alone. Uh, I've had the privilege to direct that twice. And the second time I got to do it, three times. And the third, the second time I got to do it, the guy who, the executive director of the Matthew Shepard Foundation came to Lindbrook High School. They had an assembly of the entire student body, which evidently in Lindbrook High School is not done yeah and he he met the kids who were doing the play and we and it was a sur absolutely surreal experience for me and then uh, i i don't want to do this whole thing because it's all public uh, my position on this is clear this is not something i will ever forget it's scarring and it, of course for people for people our age he was more or less, hint less, our age. He was 10 years younger than I was. It was a, it was a horrible, awful thing. It could have been anybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I won't let it go. No, I don't blame you. Okay. 
Thank you. That's my rant. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But That's it's okay. A it's a thing with me. That's okay. Some people have Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. You got to cut that because that's you know, true. <laughs> anyway, today, October 12th. I call it my Holy Week. Oh, okay. October 6th to 12th. My okay. Holy Week. Holy week. Uh, Stations of the Crook. Go ahead. Okay. So, today, October 12th, 1492, an Italian explorer named oh, Christopher Jesus. Columbus landed on an island that he called San Salvador. He got lost. Where was he looking to go? He was looking to go to Asia. He was and looking for a shortcut to Asia. And India. where did he... Which which is on what side of the Atlantic Ocean? It's on the it's on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. The Asia. Oh, okay. But, but yeah. don't forget, at that time, they did not know that there was a continent in between exactly. Asia and Europe. Nor did they know that there was another ocean beyond this other new continent. I have, to, I have to, because did they know which way, did they know their directions? Did they know which way was north? Did they know? Did they know yes, north they from south? Yes, they knew that. Look, okay, they do know. Yes, and, and they had an, an idea, and they knew where they were starting. Yes, and he had three shiploads full of people. Yes, okay. And um, who paid for this? Uh, the king of I think it was Castile it, and Aragon, it was Spain. Yes, okay. They became the kingdom of Spain. Um, and so and he got lost. And well, where did he end up? Well, he didn't think he was lost. He but, thought he had landed where he was supposed to be. Why? Because he couldn't read a compass. Is my no point. because he didn't realize there was another continent in between Europe and Asia. But he only hit the first island of it. He could, that could have been any rock anywhere. Well, he explored in that area. For like the next three to five years, and he found other islands that I think he may have even gone on to mainland, either North or South America. Okay, but it wasn't but until did he ever step foot on the North American continent, as we understand, except for those outliers that we were all seeing. In I our heads. do not believe so. Okay, no. he fact, discovered America. Okay, and look, 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 look. For a man who got lost, he got a whole. He got three shiploads full of people can't read a compass. Okay, so he got lucky. Well, the point is. Is he didn't he thought it was Asia. It took another navigator and map maker named Amerigo Vespucci to say, hey, this is a whole new landmass separate from Asia. It's not part of it. This is the new world. And then later on, another map make maker came along and he called it. America in chapter America Vespucci. Vespucci. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you know America Vespucci's birthday? No, I do not. There, that should be a national holiday. In addition to this day, well, that was which be... we should just continue to refer to as Indigenous People's Day. Well, that's what I was going to get into next because there is all this controversy about Columbus and his sadistic ways when he was exploring these islands back then. In fact, on his in on the day that he landed. And on October 12th, he wrote this in his journal. Many of the men I have seen have scars in their bodies, and, I, and when I made signs to them to find out how this happened, they indicated that people from other nearby islands came to San Salvador to capture them. They defend themselves the best they can. I believe that people from the mainland come here to take them as slaves. They ought to make good and skilled servants for they repeat very quickly whatever we say to them. I think they can very easily be made Christians, for they seem to have no religion. If it pleases our Lord, I will take six of them to your highnesses when I depart, in order that they may learn our language. So that was Columbus's first day in the New World. That was his impression. Yeah. So he go, he step off the boat. Yep. Thank God I found something because three boats of people are going to kill me if I don't fucking... You understand what I'm saying here from the three groups of people? The yes. Three okay. <laughs> 
the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria. I'm saying that's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of fucking <laughs> boat people. That's a lot of fucking people who should be where they are, according to whether a lot of fucking who should wear compasses. Okay. Oh, uh, I, I'm sorry. That's okay. You're really stuck on that part about them not having compasses. No, about them being unable to read one. They were able to read a compass. And still they ended up on the other side of the ocean that they intended to. Yes. Okay. But they thought they were in Asia. I understand all of that. that. I don't... Then why do you keep saying that they were lost? Because that's they not... They weren't lost. That's not where they were going. They didn't consider themselves lost. That doesn't mean they weren't lost. I have been lost and said, I'm not lost here in Upper Glencoe. But you see, I unlike Christopher Columbus's perception, they couldn't just sail from Europe to Asia because they didn't know there were two continents in between. They were headed someplace. Yes. Did they get there? No. So they got but lost. But he thought they did. So they weren't lost. And then he came back and he said, this is what I found. I think. Why do you think he called the native people Indians? Because he thought he landed Because he thought Indian. he was in India. Yes. That's what I'm saying. But he was not in India. He tried to get to Car Place, but he ended up in Williston Park instead. The neighbors are calling the police. He got lost. Oh, he wasn't lost. Okay, we let the Lost is when you don't know where you are. I agree to disagree. You just made my point. Oh, my Let's go God. on because this is boring than me. Well, anyway. We both made our points clear. With all this known history about Columbus and everything, what maybe people don't realize is Columbus Day became a holiday. It was officially recognized like by proclamation by Franklin Roosevelt in like the 1934 because of lobbying by Italian Americans groups because during the early to mid 20th century you had a large influx of Italian immigrants and just as the Irish had St. Patrick's Day to celebrate their heritage they wanted a day to celebrate their heritage I don't disagree okay the facts okay that's all those are the facts hold on the facts are presented emphatic enough for me to believe at this time in my current state various states I, I'm just gonna I believe you. yeah so what so, so, so my point is there are more Italians of prominence that we can better celebrate than Christopher Columbus. I, I don't disagree with you. Who do you suggest? But because we have this, we have had this whitewashed history of all these figures in history. Exactly. For basically the 20th century. We were told lies or we were told sanitations of the truth. Yeah. We were not told the whole story about all these people. What we know is that this guy did this. Okay. Well, somebody else up in Sweden where evidently you can I mean, have like all sorts of experiences. Like last week, we talked about Balboa. The only thing we ever learned about him in school was that was he discovered the Pacific Ocean. Right. And then last week, we discussed how he killed the tribe because they were transgender, basically. Only because you brought it up. I brought it up, but it's an historical fact. It's never, worth talking but about. You, but you don't hear about no, this. No, you don't, unless, unless you subscribe I'm saying. to this podcast. <laughs> That's where you hear about this shit. That's right. That's right. So my point is, there are other Italians in history that we can be celebrating other than Columbus. And I asked you an hour ago if you had a suggestion. Marconi, Da Vinci, right. Verdi, right. Vespucci himself. Listen, Michelangelo to me, you're done. And if not Michelangelo, then the statue he created. David. Let David do it. But today, there, there are any number of Italian people that can be celebrated other than Christopher Columbus. Okay. Here's the unfortunate thing. The, Italian, the Italians ended up really through no fault of their own. Or maybe through their own fault. Having a holiday the same day, having a holiday named after Christopher Columbus, okay? It's about branding. 
they need to turn this holiday into something else. They need to if they're gonna, if it's going to be Italian, then let's turn the holiday into something we can celebrate all as a country, not Italian, not Italian, Polish, Jewish. That's all. What you can together, what you could do to celebrate that you people are Italian, right? What can we do? I don't know. San Gennaro. I was just thinking that the San Gennaro feast. Uh, there's any number of them. Yeah. Yeah. Every saint has a holiday. Yep. Who's the saint? Who's the saint that this is their feast day? I don't know. Okay, that's what I'm asking. That's what okay. I'm saying is that there are other options. There yes, are, I uh, agree. The, so the, we agree on that. Yes, but unfortunately, I think it's an unfortunate thing for the Italians that they have to share that it just so happens that this guy they celebrate turned out to be. Okay, really not so bad from the people we celebrate a couple of times a year. Okay, so let's be honest. Uh, that's my thought. Thank you. This cookie is delicious. Well, connected with Columbus Day, on this day, October 12, 1892, the Pledge of Allegiance was first used in public schools during Columbus Day observances organized to coincide with the opening of the Chicago World's Fair. Could you stop saying it? I sure can. Because I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. Here live on the radio. Don't post in your personal Facebook accounts and mention. Certainly that was the dumbest thing you've ever done. Why? Because you posted on your personal Facebook account that you were looking up this topic for this Yeah, so I had a question to ask which I was going to get to. Yeah, and I saw that. Yes. Because you and I follow each other on Facebook, Um, so your personal stuff. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Uh, It just so happens in the algorithm you you come in frequently in my newscast. Right. Some people come and something. Okay? So the algorithm, whatever it is. What's your point? I knew about this ahead of time. And this makes me crazy. Okay. This, this, and it's not the activity itself. It's the, because I don't think it does any harm. The thing that makes me crazy about it is, oh, God. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about it. Oh, this makes me crazy. Because if, like, conservatives knew who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance or knew more about this person, they may not be a little so gung-ho about it because the author of the pledge is a man named Francis Bellamy. He was a Baptist minister, and he was also... A socialist. Okay. <laughs> thunder, thunder. And you know thunder. what that means. And the phrase under God was not added to the pledge until 1954 because of all the anti-communist feeling here in America and they wanted to counter that so they added the phrase under God to the pledge. And on the coins and the money they added in God we trust Yes. for similar reasons. reasons. Yep. So I asked a question of my parent friends and teacher friends, as I am neither, whether kids in schools still say the Pledge of Allegiance. And the overwhelming consensus, I would say, was yes, but. There was always a yes, but and there were some a lot of instances there was a but. And did you notice in that in that uh, very unscientific data that yes, but began at a certain age, and until then it was just unquestioned? Like it was, yeah, but. Yeah. Okay, because when they're really young, they're all going to do the same thing you tell them at the same time. Right. When they get to be teenagers, early teenagers, they start to say, this sucks. I don't uh, it's not, okay. Yeah. By the time they get to be 56, 18, uh, and that's what seems to be happening. Horrible. People are saying, yes, the pledge is recited. They played over the loudspeaker, or we recited in class. You know, I'll leave them, or whatever. Some of us say and it, some of us don't. Some of them stand for it, some, some of them, them recite it. A lot of them don't. I love my friend Ernie, who has been on the podcast. Yeah. His, he doesn't have a U.S. flag because. Yeah, classroom. The fl- in his classroom because yeah. the flagpole broke. So he had flags for the four houses of magic in Harry Potter. He's such a and so he told his kids, pledge to one of the houses. <laughs> 
it's just as you know. It's just in its practice, and and knowing that it exists, and it it that's I think that's cool. That's fine. It's a it's a little piece of uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. It instills and teaches a sense of patriotism in young students. You know. Uh, yes, it gives you the words that. You and there's can, nothing wrong with that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. You know, it gives you that <laughs> that thing to that we're going to drum into your head, and and that will be the thing. Yep. Okay. So so it's part of the thing. Is it is it like government groom like not groom like it's grooming indoctrinate in public schools? Right. Do they do it in Catholic schools? Did any of your did any of your uh, respondents work in a Catholic school? None that was mentioned, no. Okay, that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting topic there, right there. Anyway, or any private school. Yeah. But in a publicly funded school in the United States of America, in New York, in New York City, on Long Island, or Suffolk County, uh, we're, we're going to teach your kids, and while we're teaching it, we're going to teach them this. And this is this chant, and this is... The- well, what's funny is one of the respondents wrote in, and I kind of agree with her, is like, that there seems to be this perception that kids today don't recite the Pledge of Allegiance anymore in school that they don't teach it they don't they don't have it in school anymore and from what i saw just from that small sampling is yeah they are everyone oh, yeah. is still yeah, saying yeah, the yeah. pledge in school well, the do. schools are yeah. still doing it yes and they the do students it. could be a different story fire departments <laughs> they do it sometimes at baseball games they do it in these you know they're they're, they're th- so at least we get a spell to admit that all oh, those kids are not doing the pledge of allegiance no. anymore that's bullshit no it's they pl- are doing it. it's part of the, the schools co- are doing it it's part of the collected consciousness that we all understand as a country right? as a people because that like you were yelling about before about the dog that that's the dog's nature and that's what a dog is a dog and that's what a, okay blah 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 okay so so as people as humans as these higher primates we this is part of what we have to do we have to collect ourselves as a people mm-hmm. to defend ourselves to do, okay so yeah that's up to our survival is to join yes. groups join big groups that they had everywhere from uh the U, the british union over there your european union you gotta come, come together okay yeah so i understand that okay but is this that? Like, this is why we do that. We we teach our kids the same rhymes. We teach our kids in the the we do our father who wouldn't have it. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord's with thee. So we know that because that's what we were taught, right? And that you got to teach a kid something: how to live together in a group, how to live together in a society, how to live how to instill in a, a sense of community, right? So that you can recognize each other in the jungle, in the ocean, in the air. Yeah, it's important. So, as a species, I understand why we do it. I believe we have to recognize what it is. It's it's the public, yes, deciding and instilling, yes. And there's a lot of controlling. Yes, there is. That's why there's so many fucking brutal battles going on, right? Politically, you're what you call all right. I want to know that I'm correct. That yes. I'm in the right place. Yes, I'm you're in the right place. Not tangenting. God <laughs> forbid I should tangent and go back and listen to the fucking birthdays. That disgrace. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? Yes, it's what day is it? What day is it? Well, you'll like this one. It's food related. It's National Gumbo Day. Uh, okay, mixed feelings right now. You go fuck yourself. I like gumbo. <laughs> Me, I love gumbo. I absolutely love gumbo. Yeah. 
It's peasant food. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to make, it's economical to make, and it's delicious. Oh, uh, yeah. Your mama made it, your grandmama made it, your sister makes it. Yeah. Yeah, your gumbo. That's yeah, down south. For the, yeah, for me, for those of you Creole. who are not familiar with gumbo, it originated in Louisiana. It's the, part of America. And uh, it basically involves the culinary practices of French cuisine, Spanish cuisine, African cuisine, and Cherokee cuisine. And why is that? Because of all the different cultures that manifested in the Louisiana area. Okay. Because, and let me ask you a question. Yes. How did that go? What do you mean? It seemed to work out pretty well. We got gumbo out of it anyway. Yep. We got some jazz music. Yep. We have okay. New Orleans. Um, okay. But anyway, for those who don't know, gumbo consists primarily of a strongly flavored stock. It could be meat or shellfish or sometimes both. And what they call the Creole Holy Trinity, celery, bell peppers, and onions. And for a thickener, you can use either okra. You can use something called filet or filet powder, which is dried and ground up sassafras leaves. But in <laughs> New Orleans, they typically use roux uh, as a thickener, which is a combination of flour and fat. And it's baked, it's cooked for about a, a minimum of three hours and usually served with rice. It's just that they had to grind up the leaves of the weed that lived with like that's how they established this cuisine it's an amazing thing to me it's amazing the resourcefulness people display yeah when they have to definitely what they have to do to eat do you have a favorite type of gumbo i like seafood ah see i like uh, sausage gumbo well yeah uh, especially andouille sausage oh. i don't like oh. i i don't like clams i gotta be honest with you but the yeah i, I prefer the seafood okay cool Louisiana, for fuck's sake! I know, right? It's just a. Uh, it's I've a, had it with crawfish down there. It's such really a. Good. It's such an interesting part of the country because it it has that French element that's nowhere else. Yeah, it doesn't appear anywhere else. Yeah, and then there's a huge slave culture that you know. Uh, uh, black uh, African that also was there. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing place. Yes, it I is. I, there are two cities I'd like to go to. Two American cities I'd really like to go to. That's one. And the other one is San Francisco. I've been to New Orleans twice now. I believe everyone should go there at least once in yeah, their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Like Muslims have to go to... Uh, <laughs> to Mecca. To Mecca. I believe everyone in the world should go to New Orleans at least once. Everyone really? If <laughs> <laughs> you want to party with everyone... <laughs> there are some people that should absolutely go there. Yeah, it's a great party town. It um, really yeah, is. But, but there's it's just so much the great food, great music. It's just a great place. Yeah, buy the albums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people <laughs> don't just dump along there. I, that's true of most places, though, I think. Yes. We're going to move on to our next segment. Please say final. No. Okay. Wherein we take a look into my briefs. Oh, this is going to go on forever. That may go on forever, though. Is that the next part of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better hold on to that clip. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, the Supreme Court turned away an appeal by a Catholic group and two women of a lower court's ruling against their challenge to a Rhode Island law that codified the right to abortion in line with Roe v. Wade. Stop. Yep. Is it important that I understand this? Because that whole thing that you just said, I'm going to need you either repeat again. Okay. Or just give it up and ignore me and continue without my partner. Well, what happened was this Catholic group and these two women filed a challenge to this law in Rhode Island that codified the right to abortion under Roe v. Wade. Okay, okay. And they are the court ruled the lower court ruled against them, so they went to the Supreme Court. Okay. Of 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 Rhode Supreme, Island. No, the Supreme Court of the United of States. Of the United States. And they turned away the appeal as well. 
Okay, so they're not even going to listen. Right. What's interesting about this is that the two women who were pregnant when the case was filed sued on behalf of their fetuses and later gave birth. But the Rhode Island Supreme Court said that the fetuses lacked the proper standing to bring the suit. And the Rhode Island Supreme Court, you know, relying on Roe v. Wade, said that the 14th Amendment did not give extended rights to fetuses. Hold on, stop right there. Yes. Okay, lawyer got to get paid. Okay. Okay, so they created this. This is a lawyer created the, that, that, uh, that, that a fetus has no legal standing. This is all billable hours, okay? Because you need a lawyer to, to get to the Supreme Court. It's a ridiculous thing. Yes. It's a completely ridiculous, nonsensical thing. Well, especially in light of the recent Dobbs ruling... In that decision, Justice Alito specifically said that um, the decision, the court, that in this their decision, the court took no position on if and when prenatal life is entitled to any of the rights enjoyed after birth. Okay. So the court has basically would deny this appeal. They don't want to touch this issue yet. I think I think I, th- I think they figured. You know, we just we just did enough damage with the Dobbs decision. Let's hold off on ruling on this issue. Or is it that they're just? I mean, let's put this way: a number of states have already and drafted fetal personhood, uh, fetal personhood bills, and in Georgia, they passed a law in which you can deduct your fetus as a tax deduction. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Can you just pour hot water over me instead? <laughs> This is this is mind boggling. I gotta ask you to go back. To what part? <laughs> let me guess. Let me just guess from from wh- where are you now in your script? Point uh, right over here, the end of it. Go up to the top of that page. That's right here. Uh, yeah, start the the two sentences down from the top. Two sentences down from the top. I yeah. said the two women sued on behalf of their fetuses. But yeah. the court decided, the Supreme Court decided the fetuses lacked standing, and then the, the, you know, the state Supreme Court said, you know, there's no rights extended to fetuses under the 14th Amendment. And even the U.S. Supreme Court, they've only said that a person who could not be granted to a fetus before viability, which was considered 24 weeks around pregnancy. But, so that, was under, but that was under Roe v. Wade, so we don't know what their feeling is on the issue now. Yeah, we, well, they're avoiding the issue yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. avoiding. Why do you think that is? You, it can't possibly be because they did enough damage with the other one. It, I think it's. A, I think it's a consideration. Now we got it. Now let's do it. Now this is this is we got the power to do it. We got to do it. Why would they not do that? They're probably looking for a stronger case on which to make a ruling on that issue. That's fair. You know they're going to do a little court shopping. You know case shopping themselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's go know? find them. Like, find their case. There, there. What, what's that called? Case history. Uh, precedent. Yeah, precedent. Okay. Let them find it. I'm sure they will. And they'll argue it. Yep. Billable hours. Uh-oh, that sound must mean it's time for the Week in Fascism. Uh-oh, that means I, that, that sound must mean, hey, kids, tune in to Annie. And, for, and that doesn't mean that yeah, you're not auditioning for a job. <laughs> Anyway, it's only one event I'm talking about, which, which was re- very little reported in mainstream news media this Those week. fuckers with the fake news. I guess it was this past weekend, former U.S. President Donald Trump... Oh, that guy. He uh, filmed a video, which was shown at a rally in Madrid, Spain... Okay. ...in support of the right-wing Vox Party. Okay. It also featured messages from Italy's new Prime Minister, Georgia Maloney. 
Okay, the fascists are gathering. Hungary's Victor Orban circling the circling the what do they circle? I don't, the, I don't the, know. The, uh, with the horse-drawn carriage circle. Uh, who else spoke there? Oh, Polish Prime Minister Matus Morawiecki. Who Polish? Yes. Yeah, that guy. Oh, Hungary is scary. That guy. Yeah, uh, that's scary. Vic, that was Victor Orban. Is he coming up? Oh, he did him. Right? And you know who? Guess who else was there? Ted Cruz spoke there too in person. He addressed that crowd. He said, "On the one side, there is the global elites and the global left. There is now growing every more sluggish and violent. And on the other side, a conservative populace who." the values of God and country and family and freedom. How was he received? I'm sure they loved him. The voice gave me an absolute fucking abject headache. <laughs> oh, that's what Ted Cruz does to me. Oh, well, yeah, the voice is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yes, it is a horrible yeah, voice. It, like, really. But just... just Don't go- do it again. Promise me you'll do it again. Promise me no bad dog stories and that you'll never do that voice again. <laughs> okay. Okay? And no video. No video. Those three things, okay? But this story just goes to prove now how these, basically, fascists and fascist parties are now working together globally, you know? Yeah. it's that. That's how bad things are getting. Well, that they're now working, like, they're, they're supporting each other like there's this. There's so many things there, though, because, like, Ted Cruz talking about the world elite. He's t- standing where talking to who? How'd he get there? Like, you talking about the world elite? Okay, bitch. Where are you? Who are you talking to? Who are these people? What are their titles? Fuck you. Lecture, yeah. lecture! How dare you? Right, but you know, well, as I said, this is, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a ga- rally of this right wing party. They're now the third largest party in Spain's parliament. So we now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time to discuss. We like to watch. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, uh, it's it's just I haven't really seen anything that's worth remembering but I watch it all the time. Okay. <laughs> ah, what'd you watch? I watched plenty actually. Yeah, and you remembered it. Yes. Because you're a psycho. Yes. Uh, first, the the show Dairy Girls on Netflix returned for its third season. Okay, stop. Sounds like Dairy Girl. I'm thinking milkmaids with those big wooden things across the, no, no, with no, the no, buckets. No, no, no. Not Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. I understood it, but I'm saying the image you put in my head because I don't know what dairy necessarily is. I said maybe Irish. Well, Derry is also known as London Derry. It's a city and located in Northern Ireland. Okay, yeah. And this series takes place in the late 90s. It's... It centers on these four Catholic girls. The one girl's cousin, who's English, who's there. He's the only boy, and he's always abused by the four girls. And also the one girl's family, and also that's like a, that's a side story on the show as well. And the second season takes place after they signed the 98 Peace Accords. So now this third season's taking place sometime after that. Can I just tell you something? Yes. Because a couple of times I just been out, Okay. You just made that, whatever you would just sound like the Canterbury Tales. Like when they presented the Canterbury Tales to you as a kid. Okay? So I want to say that. I'm just giving the setup for the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. But despite my description of the setup, it's a very, very funny show. It really is. These girls are great together. They The whole, the whole cast is good. Even the family members. Even that them, they portray. Huh? Yeah. It's a very funny show. Like half hour episodes each. Need a good laugh. I heartily recommend Derry Girls. 
Stair girls. Yeah. I, 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 it's the pails. I think. Yeah, it's the pails. Okay. It's, it's a small way to do it, though. Yes. You got to be a certain kind of girl. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, you got to have a girl. You can pretty much expect it. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Another place. I also watched a new series on Netflix. It's 10 episodes called The Midnight Club. It's the premise of it is about this girl about to graduate high school, discovers she has terminal thyroid cancer that's metastasized to her lungs. All right. And she tracks down this hospice, which has a certain history that she wants to go to. It's a hospice that caters exclusively to kids and teenagers with terminal diseases. And she wants to go to this hospice because she read about the history of one girl who was there who disappeared for like a month and then she came back and she was completely cured of whatever she had. Okay, you gotta stop here. Okay. Okay, I gotta interrupt and I think I gotta... Throw off a flag, whatever power I have. Why would I watch that? Well, it's not the only thing going on. The members, some members of the hospice, the residents, ah! also have this club called... Hospice. Yes. Hospice stop? Yes. Okay, okay. Now, who's in the hospice? This girl okay. and, and other teenagers. It's a hospice specifically for... Terminally Ill, terminally ill teenagers. And that's the setting of whatever you're talking about. Yes. Stop. There is not a snowball's chance in hell fucking Jesus that I'm going to put something like that on my television. Well, first of all, this hospice, it's not like a hospital. It's set like in a Victorian mansion. Okay. okay. So okay. it doesn't look like Nassau Hospital, but that's what it is. You're gonna. This is where we're going to keep the, the dying kids. Okay. In this house. Whatever. 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 This is, what? Yes. That's what that's what it was for. That's what it meant. That's what they did. That's who yes. was there. Okay. I understand. So this girl's exploring the mystery of the house and the story of this girl who was miraculously cured. Okay. And at the same time, the residents of the hospice have this club they call the Midnight Club, in which they gather in the basement, they they break open a bottle of wine, and they tell each other ghost stories. How old? And are they, they judge them. They're all teenagers. And they brought but they break open a bottle of wine. Yep, they find wine stashed away somewhere. They steal yes. the wine. Whatever. From wherever they can find it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they tell these ghost objects. stories, which are illustrated in the show. And which are really well done as well. In a different universe than what the kids are telling the stories in. Yeah. They tell the story. They show you the story. They show you the story that they're as telling. they're telling it. Yes. In whatever universe is appropriate for yeah. the story. Okay. So it may not look like the story you've been following because it's in a different... Th- exactly. The whole different... St- exactly. Everything is different. Yep. I understand that. So it's a, I say it's a really well done show because you have these stories going on. You have the main story with the character looking at the mystery of the house and then you have these ghost stories that are being shown to you. Wait, is this still the dying kids in the house? Yes. Yeah, I don't want to... What? Go ahead. Continue. Uh, uh, Finish. Finish. It's a good show. I highly recommend it. And the next show you watched was? Uh, A movie, actually. Oh, I can't wait to hear about this one. Also on Netflix called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Okay. It starred Donald Sutherland, who looked okay. really old in this movie. I don't know if it was the makeup. Really? I mean, he is really old. Well, of course he is, but... But not... he looked really old in this movie. Well, like, when was the last... Did you have... Can you remember a Donald Sutherland-looking old movie? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Where he just looked like, oh, my God. Well, he was in the uh, the Hunger Game movies. And he was but fairly he old then. Yeah, but he, yeah, he kind of did, right? But in this, he looked, he looked really old. Okay, well, is it a choice? Like, was that, like? Well, it, the, the character is really old in the, in the story that's being told. It's all about this kid who's paid by this reclusive millionaire to come to the house to read to him because his eyes can no longer, okay, you know, read the print or whatever. So okay. he goes, and the kid goes there for like six, seven years. 
till he's like a you know a teenager. He starts as a young kid. They sit in the porch, and then he still is a teenager. And he sits and reads to him. And he eventually teaches the billion the millionaire about cell phones and how they can be used and everything. And he's using it. Almost, he's like, he becomes obsessed with the phone because he's always using it for Wall Street and finances and all that, the ticker tape. And he eventually dies. And the kid leaves at the wake. The kid puts his phone, the millionaire's phone, in the dead millionaire's jacket. Okay. And then the kid starts getting phone calls. And they're coming from that number. That's, okay. That's the basic premise. I don't want to say anything more of that. I don't want to, I don't want to say anything more. You didn't hear it from me. <laughs> But, but it's yeah. it's more of a coming of age story than a ghost story, I would say. Right. But there are good ghost story elements to it as well. Yeah. So I would recommend that. Uh, okay. And then lastly, it's a movie I haven't mentioned, which I should have mentioned. I saw it about two weeks ago. Was the movie Belfast? Okay. It was nominated for several Academy Awards. Directed by Kenneth Branagh. You really got a potato up your ass, don't you? <laughs> It just like I you're feeling your Irish. <laughs> you are recently very feeling your Irish. Well, probably goes in a play I'm directing. It's the weird. It's I an wrong? Irish play. Am I wrong? But this the movie, next play you're doing, the one that the next one you're appearing in, that will be a be handing in Spokane and written by Martin McDonough, who is a Irishman. Thank you. <laughs> You got your Irish on now. Okay. You and your potato. That's it's the potato up your ass. That's what I call it. But when anyway, you're Irish. anyway, this is a really good movie. It's basically it's an autobiographical tale, Brannings, of told from the perspective of this nine-year-old kid growing up in this section of Belfast during the Troubles. Okay. And what happens with his family and everything. Okay. Really, really well done. Jude Law appears in it. There's a number of people in it. Uh, I think Judy Dench is in it also. She plays the grandmother. I really recommend it. Good okay. movie. Really, really well done movie. So you out there in, in, in gay man, angry gay man dog land, go look up those three shows that you couldn't get me to watch if you had a gun to my head. It's so bad. I, I, any of those shows, none of those shows would appeal to me. I would not stop and look at any of those shows. Well, then shows. you don't know what you're missing. Uh, and we continue to have this discussion where, yes, there's a whole bunch of... There's more to life than Rue fucking Paul, you know. Uh, that doesn't make me an uncultured spine. <laughs> because it makes you prov- it makes you provincial. Uh, I may be provincial. Fuck you, I'm provincial. Okay, okay, I'm provincial. What are you? Like some sort of like Upper East Side certificate? Cosmopolitan. You're a potato. <laughs> anyway, we're now going to move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time for people saying stupid things. And this week, we have two racists. Oh, Jesus. Do you want the black racist or the white racist first? Give me, give me, give me the black racist to sort of ease my way into the white. Okay, well this is a return appearance by someone who was on last week's list of people saying stupid things. You say as if I know. (laughs) The one and only Yay or Kanye Kanye. West. He can't get out of his own way. Is he trying? What's going on with, like, is, should we be concerned? Does he need, is he on his meds? Does he not tell? What happened with Kanye? Who is this guy to our culture? Uh, Okay, well, let me tell you about what he all said and what hasn't been all reported in the news yet. Last week he tweeted. Inside Scoop? Well, I yeah, I from found where? from where from where. I let me just shut up and let me talk. You say something like you got. I know, but you let me tell a story. You'll hear the fucking story, so stop fucking asking. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! Oh my god, there's a little thing on your forehead right. Now. <sighs> 
Pulsing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you ready to careful? <laughs> so last week, he tweeted, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going to go Def Defcon 3 on Jewish people. I'm sorry, Defcon? Defcon. <laughs> not Defcon. He said Defcon. <laughs> that's from uh, D-E-T-H? Yeah, D-E-T-H? that's what he said. Uh, uh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. As a result of that, Twitter removed the tweet and locked down his account, and Instagram restricted his account. Hold on. But there's more. I don't know if you remember or heard that he did an interview with Tucker Carlson last okay. week on Fox News. I thought that might have been right after I took my medication, but evidently it wasn't. Well, there were some unaired parts of the interview that was, I guess leaked out to the media, and in those uh, unaired parts, he made uh, a claim that Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger collapsed collaborated with the KKK to found Planned Parenthood in order to control the Jewish population. Even though West said that goes, when he's using the term Jew, he's referring to the 12 lost tribes of Judah, who the people known as the race black really are. He also mentioned Jews again when he compared black people judging each other for, quote, how white we could talk, to a situation in which there was a Jewish person judging another Jewish person on how good they danced or something. Then he also complained that his children attended a school where Kwanzaa is taught and celebrated, saying he would rather them learn about the Jewish holiday Hanukkah because, quote, at least it will come with some financial engineering, close quote. <laughs> what do <are> you... <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know, I, uh, this is, and I say it over and over, the First Amendment is a beautiful thing because he said that, and we could figure him into the population, and how many people does he represent across the entire population with that line of thinking? Okay, and... Uh, uh, I mean, people should thing, I mean, but people at least we got words. People should know that there is this religious sect out there of blacks who profess that they are the actual Jewish people. That, okay. they are, that they are the Hebrews. What is the, okay, well... And that, okay, and okay, that the Jews on. claiming to be such are fake Jews. All right, so... Okay. So that's what Kanye seems to be subscribing to here. Okay. That's that's fine. Um, that's fine. I don't I don't really give a shit. I can't even wrap my head around an answer to that because it's... Well, ordinarily people saying, oh, he's obviously off his meds. He's obviously off his meds. You know, this is his mental illness. And I'm like, are we calling bigotry a mental illness? Because I think that I'm sure the bigotry started long before his mental illness did. You okay. Know? So let me tell you what I know about Kanye West. Okay. Uh, he raps. Yeah, that's about all I know. He was married to a Kardashian. Yep. They have children. One of them is called North, so that the child is Northwest. He has been constantly in my radar, in my old white doughy Irishman radar, as uh, this this celebrity who is married to this wife who is black and racist and... Well, and, now separated. Well, uh, whatever it is. But he's, he's in this public eye for this very poppy reason. He has no particular money. He has no particular control or, like, He's not. He's not. He has his own money. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like he doesn't. I I don't give a fuck about Kanye West. I don't. I. I. I can't say he sucks at his music because I. Don't know anything I about not, rap I can't music. make a judgment. So I can't make a judgment about that. No, no. I just think he's a supreme narcissist that I really get tired of hearing about. He means nothing to me, and I get tired of hearing about him in the news. Let me let me throw something out. But there. now we're getting to the point now, like, oh, okay, now you're making anti-Semitic remarks. Now you're not just annoying, you're a fucking asshole. <sighs> If you if you know anybody who has spent intimate time 
with a narcissist. That makes perfect sense for a narcissist. Like that's the extent of where where it goes. So I'm I'm always I'm always cautioning on the side of of do we give them the benefit of the doubt? This whole thing on the tweets it started because uh, I guess. P. Diddy criticizes fashion line or whatever that just came out. I'm as T. Gibby in some instances. Yes, I know. T. Gibby. Yeah. T. Gibby on so, Twitter. Yeah. Yes, on Twitter. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. But this is P. Diddy we're talking about. Well, I he came first. I got it. So P. Diddy, I guess, criticizes fashion line because I just get to, you know, that was the whole thing last week with the White Lives Matter and stuff. So then Kanye came back with, well, your career is being controlled by Jews. Okay. And that's what started this whole thing going. Okay. I, I guess I, like I said, yeah, I know he's got mental illness and mental illness problems. Uh, I I can't excuse that. I can't. I can't. That'd be saying all bigotry is mental health. That's that's what people are going to be claiming that. Oh, I'm a bigot because I'm mentally ill. No, I I don't buy that. Uh, okay, I don't buy that either. Bobby um, Fischer was mentally ill, but he was also a big anti-Semite. You remember Bobby Fischer, don't you? The chess champion. He was the chess player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. he lost his mind, but he was also a notorious anti-Semite. Yeah. Which is not unsimilar, or that that from his generation and generations before him. I'm not trying to excuse anything. Of course, I'm I'm just saying that he comes to that honestly. Yeah, that's what he knew. That's what he was raised around. So that he became that is not so uh, odd. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't excuse anything, but that was his worldview. That's where he came from. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm trying to sort of give the guy who looks like he's getting the shit kicked out of him a hand. That's that. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm going. Oh, uh, well. But- I, I can't. Sometimes I can't help you with the segment. You gotta, no. You, you got to do the heavy lifting. Well, I, well, like did I you said, just give me the finger? No. Oh my God, you did. I did not. You absolutely <laughs> did. Oh, shut up. Well, to yay, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! We'll now move on to the white racists. And this is what time we're talking about U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville. Oh, okay. From where? Uh, I believe he's from Alabama, I think. What party? Uh, Republican Party. Okay. He was uh, speaking at a rally held White by... Guy. What? White guy. White guy. Former football, college football coach. Better. He was speaking at a rally held by former President Donald Trump in Nevada on Saturday. Was he ever in the military? I don't know. Okay. But anyway, I'm talking... Crossing guard, like his contribution to the community, his dedication to the community. I don't know. Okay. You're telling me about him and I want to sort of know why. I told you enough about him for this segment. Like, I'm the... You never were a babysitter, were you? Like, nobody would hire you to look at their kids and look after their kids Fuck and read no. them a story to go to bed and you not yelling at them because, how many times do I have to tell you? They're kids. I can excuse them. What's your fucking excuse? Oh. <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> anyway, at the rally, Tuberville was talking about the Democrats and this is what he had to say. What did he say? They're not soft on crime. No. They're They're pro-crime. That's right. They want crime. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. That's right. They want reparations because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Okay, stop. Bullshit. They are not owed that. Hold on. There's two completely separate issues, at least, going on there. Reparations, in my understanding, and this area of the world would be for reparations white people paid to black people for slavery. The the ancestors of the slavery, the the promise of, of two acres and a goat, not necessarily verbatim, uh, but that's what reparations mean. Am I right? Yes, he's referring to the issue of reparations for the descendants 
of slaves. Of slaves. And how does that relate to what he's addressing? Well, he kind of like combined two issues, reparations and crime. Uh, yeah, but okay. in doing so, he basically said that all blacks are criminals. Yes. And we're not going to give them reparations because they already got what they stole, you know? Wait. Oh, so what they whatever they took from Walmart, that's their reparation. Yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. Okay. But basically he's saying, yeah, black, all blacks are criminals. Okay. So uh, that didn't go over too well, to say the least. And what was his response? He didn't have any. He, he, no, he hasn't been followed up on that at all so for some reason. So there's a blow up and he's accused and people are screaming and organizations and there's all sorts of... And his response so far is... Crickets. Nothing. Yep. And how long, how long ago did this happen? This happened this past Saturday. So that was, what, four what days ago? It? It's Wednesday? Yep. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, in the meantime... I gotta say that I respect that. I figured, let me examine the issue of reparations for a second. Oh, see what sake. See what the history is that we've seen of reparations so far. What are they? And if, Well, the most famous example of reparations is Germany reimbursing the victims of the Holocaust. Okay, how'd that go? Get everything back? That actually went very well. Did it? It goes, oh, from 1952 to 1967, it paid over $100 million to the survivors and $745 million to the state of Israel to help with the resettlement of Jews in the state of Israel. Okay. Since 1988, Germany established a pension fund for Holocaust survivors. Okay. So they, they will get a certain amount of money each month for the, for the rest, rest of their, their lives. lives. So that's worked out pretty well there. That's the most famous example. There are other examples not so famous. Sinister sound, sinister sound, sinister yeah. sound. Yeah. Haiti declared its independence like in, eight, eight, in the early 1811s, 1813 or something from, from France. France. But France wouldn't recognize it. Well, yeah. And, of course, when France owned the island of Haiti, it maintained slave plantations there. So, around the 1820s, France said, all right, we'll recognize your independence, but we want reparations for our uh, for our f f former slave owners. So, well, hold on. For the property they for lost. For the property that they lost. They Which want meant their slaves. They're Haiti now to pay the white people uh, for the black people and the money lost by taking the black people away from them or by freeing the black people. Yep. Okay, they want money for that. So they paid... I from, bet there's a lawyer that would argue that. From 1825 to 1947, Haiti paid France 150 million francs. Holy shit. To compensate those French slave owners and their families. Okay. Guess what? None of their descendants are alive anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not all. The British that government... That was really high. Did yeah. you know you could go that high? The British government abolished slavery in 1833, but it paid basically the equivalent of $300 billion to slave owners after it abolished slavery. The United States government in 1862. Really high now. Abraham Lincoln's government. Okay. Paid reparations to the slave owners who resided in Washington, D.C. Okay. Because they passed the law which freed the slaves, freed the slaves. in the district. You took away my property. So it basically gave former slave owners $300 per enslaved per for, for each enslaved person they owned. $300. This uh, basically uh, totaled about 3,100 slaves uh, for a total cost of $930,000, which in today's money would be $25 million. Okay. Doesn't seem okay. Okay. Doesn't seem like an awful lot of money. Yeah. So we don't seem to have an example of seem to have a problem with paying former slave owners reparations. But when it comes to paying 
be enslaved any reparations. It's not just the United States. Well, they have no claim. But countries in Europe that maintained slaves during the you know, early centuries, they've apologized for owning slaves and for participating in the slave trade. Okay, hold on. But they have not paid any type of reparations. And that is the same situation here. We have never paid any reparations to slaves or to the descendants of slaves. Two acres and a mule. That wasn't, like, that's something else. That, I don't think it was. I think it relates. Somehow it relates. Two acres and a mule. I'm going to look that up. Go right ahead now. and look at two acres and a mule. Because you looked at me weird when I said it, and I thought that was weird, and that threw me. Oh, I, what I was trying to think of before, and it's because you did the next thing. If there was, if the one time I ever, res I ever uh, regretted not having cameras here was when you do physical things. That are completely ridiculous. Okay. Like the jazz hands up at your up at your face on either side of your face, jiggling jazz hands while you're making a point in your face and with your that's hysterical. And you pointing your little stubby finger with with each syllable as you make a point. That's I wish there was video of that because that's perfect. Well, uh, you'll be happy to know what you were actually referring to was 40 acres and a mule. All right. And that was an order proclaimed by General William Sherman on January in January of 1865 while the war was still going on. Right. That allotted lands to some freed families. It was not a nationwide thing. Let me ask you a question. I said two acres and a mule, right? Yes. You said you'd never heard of such a ridiculous thing. Because it isn't two acres and it a mule. It was 400 it's acres 40 and a mule. It's 40 acres and, acres and, a, and mule. a mule. Okay, so let me ask you a question. And so your creative thinking, you can't say, oh, no, the and a mule thing is familiar. Acres is familiar. He got the fucking number wrong. It's not two acres, that fucking idiot. It's 40 acres. 40, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, that's the thing. No, you, that, didn't, that didn't happen for you. That was wired in. Really? Disappointed. When I'm disappointed, I eat cookies. Eat away. I'm going to have some cookies. But do you, do you not support the idea of reparations for the descendants of slaves? <sighs> I think that the people alive today would be very happy to consider reparations as uh, some sort of equal footing, some sort of recognition. Uh, let me vote. Don't make it hard for me to vote. Let uh, You know, I think they would see that as reparations. If that could happen... But for, that's, for, that's the easy way out, number one. No, I think paying yes, people off is the easy and way out. And number two, saying that you have equal rights, that shouldn't be a form of reparation. That should, hmm. that should be what's expected under the law of the United States. Why is that? Because the way the law is written, that's what it says. It should be that way. It's not been. Do that. Make that a thing. Make that a thing, and that's what... To be that... Uh, to have the same access to have the to be considered uh, a par uh, a peer that's a sign of progress that's that now i'm not saying that there aren't people who aren't going to want their fifteen thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars hundred twenty thousand dollars whatever it is well i also should mention that at the end of the civil war the formerly enslaved they were offered the option that if they left the united states they'd give them a hundred dollars hmm. if they stayed they got nothing right 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 Get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. Give you $100, go to Haiti. I'm sorry. Just like any wage employee who was not paid wages and was owed them, it deserves to have them paid no matter how much time has passed. So... These former slaves should at the least be paid for the work and labor that they performed as, as slaves. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Not to mention 
the cost of their freedom. I'm not disagreeing with you. You say your, yeah, yes, your emphaticness, your emphasis, your loud, um, recognized. Yeah, I, I see. I understand. I agree. Um, yeah, we should march up against that. We should have, we should make signs. Right! We have to make signs. We'll make oh, signs. Oh, God. I'm going to make a sign anymore. We were going to make a sign last week, weren't we? I said I was going to get Colin to do it. Yes, and you never did. I never did. Nope. What was the sign? Do you remember? I don't remember. So it wasn't that important to you? Like? I guess not. So don't sound disappointed just to be cute. Ah, oh, fuck me. Julie Andrews, take me away. Raindrops on roses whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Did I ruin that for you? You absolutely did. Ah, thank you. Mission accomplished. Right when she was oh, <laughs> smooth and beautiful and... oh. Anyway, for this week's five phase, being as the month phase. of October, we're going to the Halloween season. Okay, it's a good time to. We have the uh, category uh, to pumpkins. name our five favorite Pumpkin. horror film monsters. Horror film monsters. Now, I had a question that yes. you responded to very unfortunately. Um, that I tried very hard to duck. Luckily, I was able to figure it out from just like the preview line. Yes, the subject line without having to open it okay uh, these these are not necessarily monster movies king kong godzilla they're considered monster movies they are monsters, so they're yes. eligible yes they are but the uh, the topic is not but limited. it's not it's not just limited to so them. we can go to really scary guys in scary movies yes okay so really scary scary movie guys yes okay okay um i had one i mentioned it to you you laughed at me I um did. okay yeah i don't um, remember laughing at you. as uh i like king kong oh, no the wrong okay i like king kong i must admit when i was a kid and the first time i saw king kong i was scared so i can't deny you that oh wait are we supposed to be scared no you don't have to have been but i was scared when i saw him the first time king kong although i found faye ray's screaming annoying oh yeah she seemed to have screamed like two-thirds of the movie uh, and now when somebody says the word faye ray what right. do you think of immediately rocky horror oh okay <laughs> okay whatever that. happened to Faye Ray. Right, she screamed, that bitch. That's what happened to her when you wanted to hear her. She screamed. Did you ever hear her scream? Yes. Yes, I did. All right. Well, going along the same line as you on this choice, I named Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Okay. From the okay. Japanese monster movies. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't. Oh, I liked him. He was like he was like a three-headed dragon. He looked like any of the Japanese movies. Yeah, I, I just couldn't. No, no. They, Did you ever see King Kong versus Godzilla? I I have the to original. Say, what I should say. My favorite. Uh, the reason I picked King Kong. Okay. Was because I liked the building he climbs on. Oh, okay. The so, Empire State. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't such a thing. Okay. Uh, horror movies weren't such a thing to me. So and still. And haven't been really okay. So I'm not well versed in this in this area. Here, uh, okay, but I wanted to say that I didn't pick King Kong because I liked him as a villain. Okay. I see him as the victim. Oh, okay. That's all right. I'm just saying monsters, you know? There's some people who could argue that Frankenstein's monster is a victim as well, you know? Well, I disagree but with that. But that. Was, that wasn't a qualifier. The qualifier, the only thing it was, had to be a monster. A monster. I'm just... Uh, okay. If you're willing to accept King Kong... Oh, uh, yes, I then am. Then I should keep my mouth shut. Okay. All right. So you so, have this... So I have Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Yes. Ghidra. Ghidra. Uh, uh? Ghidra. Ghidra. Yes. The three-headed monster. Ghidra. Yes. Deirdre? 
Deidre Gija. So what's your number two choice? Uh, Psycho Guy. Uh, are you talking about Norman Bates? Norman Bates. Ah, oh, fuck, I couldn't think of his name. How could I... <laughs> how can you blank How could I blank on Nathan Lane? Just think on Ma Nathan Lane. That's his name. No, it's not. What's his name? Norman Bates. Or as I have to call him Master Bates. If I was his butler, I'd be calling him Master Bates. Shall I get the tea? I'm a sir. <laughs> Yo, bitch. Something else. Very good, Master Bates. No, okay. Very good, bitch. <laughs> well, my second choice is the... Original Count Dracula, Bela Lugosi's Dracula. Uh, okay. The granddaddy of them all. He was the best. The I, lo I loved him. Daddy of monsters, of, of movies. Uh, of Dracula. I mean, he wasn't the first vampire, but he was the definitive Dracula vampire, yes. you know? Yeah, he's that. he has become the sort of stereotype. Yeah, in a matter of speaking. Oh, I mean, there have been other Draculas since then. You had Frank Langella's Dracula. Christopher Lee had so many. The Frankenstein's. What was the What was the TV show? The Frankenstein. Was it thirteen? The Monsters. The Monsters. Grandpa was yeah. Dracula. Uh, they, you know, so Dracula appeared, and he was the same Dracula. Yes, with the white, with the red, with the black. Yes, the haircut. Yes. All right. That's what I'm saying. It's a stereotype. It's something we all. Yep. That's how the first association, or one of the first associations with a vampire, yep. is what he did. Definitely. Yes. Yes. So who's your number three choice? Oh God. Horror movies, scary movies. I, I have done this before, and I don't know why, but I'm going to go with Annie Wilkes. Yeah, you did just choose her for something else. I did, and I don't remember why. I can't remember the category now. But I think she fits. I think it's maybe a crossover. Yeah, she is a monster. She is a human monster. She is a monster. I would agree with that. Yeah. Especially in light of my next choice as well. Oh, oh I get it. <laughs> This is called Compromise. Go ahead. What's yours? The killer, also known as Billy from the movie Black Christmas, okay. also known as Stranger in the House. And I mean the original version with Margot Kidder in it. The definitive Margot Kidder as Barb. Have you never saw it? I have no idea. What oh my God, you have to see. It's a great movie. It's all about this psycho who hides out in the attic of this sorority house on Christmas Eve. And he kills off these girls in the sorority house one by one, basically. Okay. And the whole mystery as to who he is. You never actually find out who he is. No, because to tell you would just kill it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Really scared the really shit out of good. me when I first saw it. Yeah. Okay. So that's my number three choice. Who's your number four choice? I don't think we're doing good in this topic. Why? Um, film monsters? Yeah. We're not... Uh, the word monsters is wrong. We're not sticking to that monster sort of... Mm. Well, we only did in, in that category. We both went with human monsters. My, my next two choices are not human. Okay. Although okay. they may take human form. So it's another <laughs> chance to nap. No. Um, all right. Who's your number four choice? Uh, villains. Villains. Movie monsters. 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 <laughs> i tell you what, I like Monsters, Inc. I know that's not going to count for you, but there's a lot of monsters in that one. Uh, just give me one for your fourth choice. From Monsters, Inc.? From any fucking movie. All right, I'm going to go with whoever, the lady who was the secretary where he clocked in for work. She ended up being an integral part of the plot. She was some sort of spy or something, but for like for 90 minutes, she was just this, he clock in. She was just this nasty front office woman. And in a monster, in a movie full of monsters, uh, she was the most monstrous because she was a monster who was mean to the other monster. Cranky old lady. Okay, I'll take your word on it. So, if we're going to be that loose with the rules, which I'm guessing means we're going on to, what, hour four? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, 
Yamago with that, if that's acceptable. All right, so that's your number four choice? That's my number four choice. Whatever her name is in Monsters, Inc. That's my choice. My number four choice is from Poltergeist 2, oh. Reverend Henry Kane. You remember the old spooky old reverend who comes to the front door? No. Trying to see, warning them. And at the end, he says, you're all going to die. Obviously, yeah, you never saw Poltergeist 2? I don't think I did. It's inferior to Poltergeist, the original. But it's a decent enough movie on its own with its storyline and everything. Just not as good as the original Poltergeist. No, nothing ever is. But this character, the Reverend Kane, good, scary fucking character, yeah. All right, I'm going to go with Satan for my next choice. Satan from which particular milieu or movie are we talking about exactly is it the omen is it the exorcist the exorcist scared the shit out of me i will tell you right now the exit is it the amityville horror is it how many well actually in the exorcist it wasn't the devil who possessed regan it was pizuzu just to clarify that okay i don't want you to be misinformed nor to mislead our listeners oh god forbid and the omen you never saw the devil in the omen no just the results of you saw the results of everything but you never saw the devil yeah. And what was the other movie you mentioned? Uh, Amityville Horror. I mean, you never saw the devil in that movie. No, I, I okay. So I'm picking off-screen voices. Can't you find pick a movie with the actual devil with in the it? devil that we can point to and identify? Yes. As that is the monster right there. Yes. Okay. The thing that backed Sigourney Weaver up against the wall up in space and and looked at her face like ah uh, the alien. Yes. Okay. That's your that's your fifth choice. That is my fifth choice. Yes. Uh, I hate it out of the park. <laughs> As the saying goes. Hit it out of the park. I hit it out of the park. Okay. Knocked him dead. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God, I feel so much better. Knocked him dead. All right, go ahead. My fifth choice, even though he's in a comedy, is Beetlejuice mm-hmm. from Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, scary, funny character, you know? It's a good choice. I thought so, too. And Michael yeah. Keaton gives an excellent performance mm-hmm. in that. He should have been nominated for some awards for that. He Has he done anything else? That. What? Has he done anything else? Michael Keaton? He's done plenty. That's not what I'm saying. Who? Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton. Okay. Yeah. He's done plenty since then. Didn't you see the movie Burden? Oh, uh, was it Birdman? Don't ask me about it. Oh, you won the Oscar for it? No, but I wanted... I it's a great that fucking movie. movie. Oh my God, you should watch that movie. Link a bitch up. I, I have been looking... It's not on any of my services. I don't know where to find that fucking really? movie. Really? Oh my God, it's a great movie. Fucking... And he's excellent in it. He really is. I've been wanting to see that movie, and I don't really give a fuck about movies. <laughs> I definitely recommend that one. So anyway, that brings us to the end of five faves. We now move on to our final segment. Oh, get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. What do you have for us this week, Tommy? I'm ready with three. Oh, three of them. But I'm not going to give you all three. Oh, okay. Because they're still going to annoy me. <laughs> and I get three weeks. Okay. So what's the first one you're going to The gonna first one us? is, okay, Facebook. Facebook is your gripe this week. No. Okay. I want to put you in a place. Oh, uh, you're putting put you in a context. Mindset. I'm putting okay. you in a context. Facebook. Okay. Okay. I go for every fucking clickbait. Okay. I love the clickbait. Okay. 25 parents who kick their kids out over Twitter. <laughs> or my roommate was so, okay. All of the, I love, 20, the best gay tweets of two. Uh, 
I'm all about it. Okay. Okay. I'm more than willing to follow. So you, you love the equivalent of junk mail, basically. Uh, um, as it happens, like this, there's a lot of junk mail that I throw away. Okay. This is what my Facebook feed is. Okay. Okay. I'll click on. I click. I don't do. I don't do tests. I don't do quizzes. I like lists. Okay. All right. So I click on. Them. I'm happy to. Okay. Okay. Halfway through the list, the screen goes black. List after list after list. It happens all the time, all the time. And if you if you're really invested, I found you can backspace and sort of get uh, not backspace, go backwards in the history. Right. Okay. And if I, but now I'm at a point where it's just like bang. Like I don't even want to listen to you. And as soon as you black out, as soon as the screen come up black, I'm out. Okay. The blackout screens. Why can't? What? What is happening there? What is the? Who's at fault? Why is it not loaded? Why do I not see it to the end? What is happening here? That that is my gripe. Have you talked to Mark Zuckerberg about this yet? Last time I called Mark, um, he was at a bar mitzvah. I think it was his wife's cousin. Something I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, I haven't spoken to Mark about this particular topic in a while, uh, okay. or ever, maybe, or ever. No, I'm. I, I'll look into doing that. Okay. Hey, Thank see, you for your help. My, my pleasure. What's your gripe? My gripe, I think it may be something you may have brought up in the past. I'm not sure. It's about double parking on Long Island. No. You haven't brought this up, huh? Mm, maybe. It's bad enough when I was going to law school in Queens that I dealt with double parking in the city. It occurred all the time. I love how you threw law school in there. Why? You're bona fides. Oh, big deal. But the point is, on Long Island now, it's becoming more and more of a thing. So the most out, out, outrageous example I saw the other night going to rehearsal in Lindenhurst on Wellwood Avenue, which is a thoroughly congested road. It's a it's a fist fuck from the moment you get off it's, the Sunrise it, Highway going south. It's going to take you 10 minutes to it's get to It's one lane CBS. each way with parking on both sides. Crowded, busy. Lights, it's Always yeah. busy. So you have to give yourself a few minutes more yeah, time yeah, knowing you know where you're going. going we go and we park in the back of the building, but we take a break during rehearsal and we go off. Actually, even before that, we drove by the building and there are all the parked cars. And then there are at least four or five double parked cars right next to them. Let me ask you a question. I'll tell you exactly what it is if, if I'm right. What time are you there? This was about 7.30. People picking up their kids from the schools. from They double park their kid right now, jump in the car and go. That's what that is. Well, that's what we found out later because we go into rehearsal eventually. We park behind the building. Right, right, right. And then we, had, we took a break. We, went, we were hanging out outside in the front of the building. And I still see double park cars out there. We see this car pull up. The woman double parks her car and runs into the Chinese food place. Okay. Pick up. I'm going to pick up. I'll be right back. You know what? Get a fucking parking spot like the fucking rest of us. Okay, calm yourself. That road is bad enough to travel on without fucking people double parking and adding to the congestion. Now, I agree with you that they should find a way that, that they just don't stop in the middle of the lane and that nobody can get around them. They, if, if, if the people can get around you, then you shouldn't be double parked. They shouldn't be double parking, period. I, I, that's the law. But how many of us have been, you wait here, I'll be right back. And double parked and just waited. Yeah, but it wasn't that it'll just be right back. Because we were out there for a while. And then still, by the time we went back inside, which was like five minutes later, their car was still there. Let me give you a piece of advice about going to that, to that whole strip of 
places over there. Park in the municipal lot behind. That's what we always do. You park just in the back. Go there. But we drove by the front end. I, I we just couldn't, I couldn't believe what we were seeing. Well, now the could not believe how bad it was. All the way up down to the CVS and beyond. I'm guessing where there's that that metered parking. Yeah. The prices went up and the time limit went down. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I've seen them more than once giving tickets. Oh yeah, we've seen those safety officers out there. Yeah. Checking the meters, checking the cars. But, I mean, it's not just in Lindenhurst. You see it more and more all over Long Island. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's out of hand. So, so is it about Queens? Like, is Queens creeping into, like, Long Island? It's, I don't know, it's the mentality that people think they can just double park and it's perfectly all right, you know? Yeah. And that's bullshit. Yeah. So, that's my gripe for the week. And I'm going to say, I know I'm doing wrong every time I do it. That, if that's any consolation. That's all the support you're going to get from me. Okay. Okay, I can't be that kind of hypocrite. <laughs> I do that. Shame on you. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame Fuck on you. you. It's just going to take a second, okay? Uh, yeah, it's, I they always say it's a second. Then it's five minutes. Then it's ten minutes. I, I, I don't agree with you once you reach two minutes. If you're going to pull up, run out, get your shit, Get in the car and pull off. All right. Yeah, but it never happens that way. Okay. Never, never. Get off of my lawn. <laughs> don't double park there. How am I supposed to get... To well, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Put your blinkers on. Your hazard lights. God damn. It ain't bad enough on Wellwood Avenue. You got to get to Chinese. God damn it. Beep, beep, beep. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Okay. You done? So far. Okay. We have now reached the conclusion of this week's episode. Did we cover everything? We covered everything. Took us long enough. How long did it take? Uh, over two hours. But that's okay. I can live with that. All right. But we want to remind you that you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgamingandtheirdogs.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. But you can't message us and you can't leave us anything on our wall. Well, you can always send me an email at yes. patrick at grumpyoldgamingandtheirdogs.com. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you want to send your email and your request, and your suggestion to the man with the tightest asshole, <laughs> Mr. Uptight. It's himself. only tight when you're around. I'm saying that may be true, but I can only speak for when I am around. The gapingness of your hole when I am not here is not of my interest. And we want to thank Bryce Powell for helping us set up for tonight's broadcast. I'm going to miss that bitch. And we want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for bringing in the chocolate chip cookies and Tommy Boy. And getting the dinner. And getting the dinner tonight. Yes, we had pizza for dinner here. Well, I did. Stephen and Tommy had a salad. That's right. Fig. <laughs> okay. But that's about it. So, until next time, have a good night, have a good week. Have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Ha. Huh. Good you got it. Take, for instance, Mrs. Mooney and a pie shop. Business never better using only pussycats and toast. And a pussy's good for maybe six or seven at the moment.